I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Subscribe and leave a review. It helps us create more content. Welcome to English Through History. Recently, I did an episode on Alcatraz, and it got me thinking about mobsters and the mafia. And I realized that this is a very iconic image in American pop culture. A tough-talking New Yorker in an expensive suit who controls a vast criminal empire and isn't afraid to mercilessly murder anyone who gets in his way. But what is the history of the Mafia in America, and are they still around today? So, first of all, we need to get a few things straight. Talking about the Mafia in America is a confusing job. This is because while the American Mafia has its roots in Italy, it has its own unique history in America. This has led to different but often linked similarly named groups in different parts of the world. For example, in Italy, there's the Sicilian Mafia, the Camorra, the Indrangheta, and more. In America, many of these groups either exist or existed at one time, but over the years changed and or merged. Most people think that all Italian-American mobsters are from the same group. That's not the case. There are many. For example, there are the five families in New York, but there was also Al Capone's Chicago outfit. And then there were the Las Vegas-based gangsters, led by Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky, who weren't even Italian. However, these groups have worked together at various times. What's more, the Mafia in New York are especially unique and noteworthy as they have a particularly interesting history that tends to set them apart from the American Mafia in other parts of the country. So, when we discuss the Mafia, we need to specify whether we're talking about the American Mafia, the Sicilian Mafia, etc. And if we are talking about the American Mafia, we sometimes need to specify if we're talking about the New York Mafia, the Chicago Mafia, and so on. Also, let me take a quick moment uh, to deal with some terminology. Now, in this episode, you'll hear me talk about the American Mafia. This also has another name, the Cosa Nostra. And in Sicily, this translates roughly to our thing, and is a term that's often used for both organized crime in Sicily, but America as well, worth noting. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, as you can see from a lot of the topics I discuss, many iconic items in American culture uh, have their beginnings outside of the country, and that's the case here. Now, many sources I've consulted say that the Mafia began in the Italian region of Sicily. In fact, the word mafia is supposedly a colloquialism that came from Sicily. Now, Sicily, being an island, had a lot of different groups of people controlling it throughout history, and this made the residents distrustful of authority. To this end, they began to create their own sort of vigilante power structure, which, of course, was vulnerable to corruption. Uh, and this eventually changed the Sicilian Mafia into a criminal organization. Later, when many Italians immigrated to the United States, so too did the traditions and sometimes members of the Mafia. However, it should be noted that mainland Italy also had heavy organized crime as well, specifically what's known as the Black Hand, which wasn't really a gang so much as a style of extortion. In any case, although Sicily 
is often given credit for the creation of the American mafia. That's not completely true. For example, the, the, the uh, famous Chicago gangster Al Capone was the child of Neapolitan immigrants, uh, Neapolitan referring to the Italian region of Naples. Also worth noting is that it wasn't entirely Italians that were responsible for the formation of the American Mafia. For example, it wasn't unheard of for Irish and Jewish gangsters to support the Mafia, and in some cases, famous Italian gangsters like Capone and Lucky Luciano, more on him later, got their start with Irish gangs. Actually, throughout the history of the, Amer of the American Mafia, there seems to have been debate amongst its members about the role of non-Italians. Uh, some members wanted the Mafia to stay exclusively Italian, whereas others saw non-Italians as useful allies. Now, a lot of sources will mention that prohibition, the laws that made alcohol illegal in the USA during the early 20th century, uh, was a major reason for the rise of the Mafia. But some sources claim that the rise of the Mafia was due to other reasons. For example, in the 1920s, Benito Mussolini was the dictator of Italy. And while Mussolini isn't going to show up on a list of well-regarded historical figures, he did make the trains run on time, and he also cracked down on organized crime in Italy. This, in turn, caused some gangsters to flee Italy for greener fields, namely the USA. And at the time, the USA was not prepared for the methods of Italian organized crime. Also, being immigrants, many Italians in America had difficulty making a living for themselves in their new home, which likely made crime an easier and more profitable avenue for success. So uh, at this point, let's shift to New York. Now, while the American Mafia had influence in cities around the country, New York was an especially noteworthy center for organized crime. And there were five families. And family, in this case, doesn't mean you know mom, dad, sister, brother, but rather a sort of gang of Mafia members. Now, in the 1920s, the main figure in organized crime was Giuseppe Mazzaria. Uh, but eventually, a gangster named Salvatore Maranzano uh, challenged Masseria for control. Uh, now, listen carefully, because this will get a little confusing, partly because there are two guys, both with kind of similar-sounding names. Anyway, uh, Masseria had a guy who worked for him named Charles Luciano, more commonly known as Lucky Luciano. Now, Luciano disagreed with Masseria's views on business and switched over to Maranzano's side and killed Mazzaria. Uh, this left Maranzano in control. Uh, Maranzano created the five families, five groups of mafia members, to control organized crime in New York and started to call himself Capo di Tutti e Capi, which means the boss of bosses in 1931. Well, guess what happened to him? Lucky Luciano ended up having him killed and took his place in 1931. Funny how that works, huh? Now, Luciano got rid of the title Capo di Boss of Bosses because he thought it caused too much trouble, and instead, he created something called the Commission. Uh, 
Now, the commission was a nationwide organization of Italian mafia members. It included the five families in New York, but also groups like Al Capone's Chicago outfit. What's more, it was connected with the National Crime Syndicate, uh, which included the Jewish and Irish crime organizations as well. And yeah, if you think that sounds like the stuff of fiction, if that sounds incredible, this idea of a nationwide group of gangsters, well, you're not alone. For a while, even people in the FBI doubted its existence, and that was one reason why they were able to operate as successfully as they did. However, in 1957, a policeman named uh, Edgar Croswell discovered a secret meeting of the commission called the Appalachian Meeting, which resulted in many arrests and basically revealed the existence of the mafia and the commission to the world. That's maybe a story for another day. But there are other reasons that the mafia were able to operate as successfully as they did. Um, one of them was something called Omerta. Now, this was a code that the mafia brought from their homeland of Sicily that prohibited anyone from seeking help from government means. Not the police, not the courts, nothing. All problems and disputes had to be solved within the mafia. Also was the mob's connections with many aspects of everyday American life. Uh, later, once prohibition was repealed, the mafia still had close ties with construction unions, the New York garment industry, and more. Now, despite the mafia's admirable job of keeping their dealings a secret, knowledge of it did eventually find its way into American pop culture. A few scattered films here and there, like On the Waterfront, made reference to it, but it was Mario Puzo's 1969 novel, The Godfather, that really made the American mafia the staple of American culture that it is today. Of course, the novel was later made into a film of the same name, directed by Francis Ford Coppola of Apocalypse Now fame. Um, it should be noted that Puzo, while the son of Italian immigrants, had no inside knowledge of the mafia. His book, which uh, seems like a fairly accurate, although fictional, portrayal of the mob, was all based on his own research. Anyway, another reason for the, for the ubiquitousness of the mafia in American culture is John Gotti. Now, Gotti was the leader of the Gambino crime family uh, during the 80s and the 90s, and he was known for his arrogance and sense of style, which made him a well-known public figure. Uh, they actually called him the, the Teflon Don. Uh, Don is the name for a mob boss, and Teflon is a substance used in cooking pans because things don't stick to it. And while everyone knew that Gotti was a mob boss, the courts always had trouble uh, proving it, uh, getting charges to stick, uh, until one of his close allies, Sammy the Bull Gravano, testified against Gotti in court. So here's the big question. Is the American Mafia still active today? And if not, what took them down? Well, it depends on who you ask. A good number of people today will claim that the American Mafia is much weaker than it was decades ago, but as we'll see shortly, that's a little bit debatable. In any case, one of the main reasons for the decline in the Mafia's power was the 1970 RICO Act, not to be confused with the 1990 hit song Rico Suave by Ecuadorian singing sensation Gerardo. 
Now, uh, RICO stands for Racketeer Influenced and Corruption Act and was signed into law by President Richard Nixon. It allows for someone to be sent to prison if it can be proven that they are tied to a criminal enterprise. See, the problem with mafia bosses was that it was difficult to prosecute them because they had other people doing their work for them. For example, if I were a mobster and had someone else kill someone for me, well, it was more difficult to prosecute me. But what the RICO Act did was allow someone to be prosecuted based on their connections with illegal activity. And this did a lot to reduce the power of the American Mafia. After its creation, a lot of American uh, Mafia members actually abandoned the Code of Omerta and testified against their bosses. It eventually resulted in the Mafia Commission trial in 1985, which ended up sending several very powerful members of New York's five families to prison and dealt a hard hit to the Mafia. Now, here's something weird. This trial was spearheaded by attorney Rudolph Giuliani. Uh, oddly enough, <clears throat> as of the making of this broadcast, Giuliani is actually being tried under the RICO Act himself. This gets kind of complicated and also political, but it basically the claim is that he was involved in a criminal enterprise by helping President Trump claim that the 2020 U.S. presidential election was rigged. Now, how does the RICO Act, which was made to stop organized crime, extend to a presidential election? Well, that gets a bit deeper uh, than what we have time for today, but it is worth touching upon. So the RICO Act was quite damaging to the mafia, or was it? Now, the question some of you might ask is, uh, are the mafia still powerful today? And that's a difficult question. Some people will say yes, and some people will say no. Uh, according to a 2019 article written by the BBC, criminologist Anna Sergei claimed that not only were the five fam families flourishing, Try saying that five times fast, right? Uh, but they were also busy forming connections with other international Italian-based organized crime rings. Now, keep in mind, this article was written way back in 2019, but it does go to show that, uh, according to some, organized crime wasn't defeated like some think. And, of course, uh, if they're operating at maximum efficiency, they should be invisible and unknown, right? Uh, but my opinion... The mafia is not what it used to be, and, and this opinion comes from an article in a 2015 issue of Vice magazine. Now look, I, I have some issues with Vice's reporting, but I think they did a great job with this one. They actually interviewed several former mafia members as well as some experts on organized crime, and all of them agreed that the RICO Act, uh, combined with more opportunities for legitimate money-making uh, and also disorganization and less loyalty amongst mafia members has led to a major decline in the power of the mafia. Uh, although they also agree that the mafia is still active and will probably never be totally destroyed. Oh, but what's this? No sooner did I finish writing the script for this video when 10 members of the Gambino crime family, the one that John Gotti used to be the boss of, were indicted for using violence and extortion to try to control the garbage and demolition industries in New York. So I guess the mafia is still quite active today, regardless of whether or not they're as powerful as they were in the past. So 
in any case, uh, hopefully now you have a better idea of the history behind the American Mafia. Uh, but keep in mind that we've only scratched the surface here. There's a lot more to be said about Las Vegas organized crime, the Chicago Outfit, Murder, Inc., The Black Hand, and more. Well, maybe another day. Until then, to quote the movie Goodfellas, never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.